Aren't you glad he didn't walk away, huh? Chose the cross. Yeah, that's what it's about right there. Amen. <clears throat> Talking about those, those sheep last week, like I told you in singles class, and they can get stubborn if they don't get their way, but he wanted to go to that cross. Amen? Willingly laid down his life. That's good stuff. Proverbs chapter 25. Proverbs chapter 25 tonight. <clears throat> As you're turning there, chapter 25, verse 9 and 10. Don't forget about 
our, uh, let me start with this one, our uh, dedication Sunday, uh, there's some misunderstanding how this is working, obviously. I, I, I've talked to a few people, and it seems that folks aren't quite understanding how it's working. There are two, two uh, openings beside each time slot, <clears throat> say 12 to 1 o'clock in the morning. There are two. That means that we, we're asking, we're hoping that two people will sign up for that slot. <clears throat> and um, the uh, thing is, is that if you're not used to reading out loud for an hour straight, let me tell you something, that's not easy. Uh, your voice will not hold up as well as you think it will. And so we're asking that two people sign up. It's not half hours. This isn't 12 to 12.30, 12.30 to 1. This is 12 to 1. So you come out, you get there a couple minutes early so that you're ready to take over, or, you know, whoever's going to take over takes over. Boom, this person's reading right out of the pulpit Bible. Right here it is. They're in their tie. They're dressed for the appropriate thing. I don't care what time it is. This is a sacred desk. This is a sacred book. And we're dedicating the temple. So we want to look the part. We want to, this is serious business. And so there you are in your tie. You're, you're looking nice. You're reading from the Word of God. And all of a sudden, your time squat, uh, period's about up. And all of a sudden, the next person stands right beside you here. And uh, you're finishing up a lying tongue, hated those that are afflicted by it, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin. Point to it as I move to the side. They start reading right there where I left off. And then that's how they'll continue. <clears throat> what we'll probably do is if there's two people lined up, you'll probably do every 15 minutes. And you'll get a chance to take a break, get something to drink, whatever you got to do to kind of get your voice back up, ready to go. Boom, you'll jump back in. We'll rotate through. There are 146 slots on these sheets. There are 30 filled. All right? So we have plenty of room for you. We could use you, and that would be helpful. Gentlemen, if you could help us, that would be great. And, uh, again, we'll have some staff there, but honestly, I don't know if I can read four or five, six straight hours. I don't think I can do it. I really need your help with this. This is something that I feel is important for our church to get started properly. And if you can make some sacrifices to make that happen, I guarantee you'll be glad you did. I don't know if any other ministry has ever done what we're going to do. And it needs to be done. We want to say, when we move into that building, we want to say right now, this, this building, this house, this pulpit, this is God's place. Amen. And, this, and we're going to do that by opening up the Word of God. And we're going to read through it from Genesis to Revelation. And we're going to do that and say, we're going to honor your Word. You, you honor your Word above all thy name. So we're going to lift it up here in this place. So if you can help us with that, that'd be great. Unfortunately, I just know how this works. The devil's going to show up. And, of course, you know, a good third of us will probably have laryngitis that week. I don't know. <clears throat> so, you know, if we can get as many people signed up as possible, that would be great. So we can kind of cover that. And, and honestly, I believe it's a sacred desk. Amen. I believe it's a sacred right. book. I think, we ought to, I think we ought to go and stand behind it properly. Yeah. I think we ought to be, I think we really should. And so I'm asking you to help me with that. And let's have a good time. This is an opportunity of a lifetime, gentlemen. You will never probably get this chance in your lifetime to stand behind the pulpit, of, uh, the pulpit of God's house and proclaim the Word of God like you're going to get the opportunity to do. And I'm telling you what, it, we're going to make history the first three days that we move into that building. You want to be a part of history. You want to be a part of making history. All right, let's go ahead and look at Proverbs chapter 25, verse 9 and 10. And uh, again, I appreciate there's a number of folks already signed up, but when you've got that many slots... We could use folks even taking more than one slot. And uh, again, the staff will be rotating 12-hour shifts, and 
there'll always be two staff members on at the building at all times, 24 hours a day. But we still would like to have as many slots filled as possible so that we don't get wore out too quick and we're able to keep going. Uh, three full days of that could wear on you if you've got to read four to six, seven hours a day. It could be really hard on your voice. <clears throat> Matter of fact, I don't even know if I can do it. And I probably have probably the, 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 probably the strongest speaking voice in this building because I speak all the time. It's, it's, a, it's a muscle. And, and, and I exercise my voice all the time. So, again, even that, I don't think I could do it. So I'm really begging the Lord to give us the, the help we need to get that done. Something God put on my heart, and I believe that it's here. God knows it's able to happen. And so we're going to do all we can to make it happen, and I'm just excited about it happening. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 9 through 10. <clears throat> chapter 25, verses 9 through 10. Again, we're going through our series, Practical Principles for Powerful Living. Today I want to talk to you a little bit about resolving conflict. Resolving conflict. And so here in the passage, it says in verse 9, it says, Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Again, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, uh, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Now since, let's face it, since most trouble is caused when people are unable to control their tongues, Solomon, this great writer of the Proverbs, he uh, offers some sound advice, I think. He basically says we need to resist the temptation if we can. We need to be very careful with our tongue. We need to be very careful with our mouth. He says, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. Uh, there was a particular man and he was, uh, he was urged to share, you know, a spicy piece of gossip with some of his buddies. And he said to him, he said, hey, can you guys keep a secret? <clears throat> they said, yeah, we can keep a secret. He said, so can I. So he didn't say anything else. You know, I mean, isn't that, unfortunately, sometimes we, you know, can you keep a secret? Good, let me tell you what I got to tell you. He just said, so can I. And you know what? The truth is, is that in the book of Proverbs chapter 25, we see here the, uh, the proverb uh, the, of Solomon saying to us, hey, listen, you know what? You, you, you debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. Don't include all these other people. Be very careful because a lot of the problems that we have in life are caused right there, right here with the tongue. You got to be careful. And so his advice was when you have a disagreement with a neighbor or a disagreement with someone else, you should go to them. You should sit down with them. You should try to resolve the problem. You should try to make it right one-on-one -on -one with them alone. Don't involve other people. Don't get other people into the mix, if you will. Unfortunately, involving a third party usually magnifies the problem. It usually magnifies it and makes it bigger than it has to be. As a matter of fact, if we're not careful, it turns into a big old feud. It turns into a big old fuss and a big old fight. It doesn't have to be that way. Solomon says, listen, debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself and discover not a secret to another. Now, again, we are tempted to cause trouble with our tongues because that's what the flesh does. But Solomon advised us that we should resist. And again, Solomon, why should we resist? He goes on to tell us because we'll reap trouble if we can't. We're going to have nothing but problems if we can't learn to control that. That's what he's saying. Proverbs 25.10, Lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. Now that word that's translated shame here carries the meaning of disgrace. And what he's basically saying is that lest he that heareth it put thee to disgrace. 
Um, <clears throat> Solomon's saying, listen, if you make a quarrel bigger than it has to be, you make a disagreement bigger than it has to be, you involve other people, you get other people uh, in the mix, then you know what? If you're not careful, you might be surprised. You may come out looking worse than your neighbor. That's, right. That's what he says. You may lose a great deal of credibility with others. You may find that because you couldn't control your tongue, all of a sudden you're the one with the reputation. And, you know, in most cases we're able to divert a major problem, aren't we? most cases we're able to kind of skate around that head-on collision by facing someone or coming to somebody face-to-face. And that's what he's saying we ought to do. And, you know, he's even applying or, or, or addressing this issue even with litigation. If there's a problem with somebody and you're dealing with somebody and you're having a hard time with them, he's saying instead of going to a third party, instead of involving other people, you go to them personally. You deal with them. Amen. You try to get it handled before it turns into something major. Not only will you, could you possibly be the one that looks bad. I mean, can you imagine, and I've seen it happen before, somebody thinks they are so right in their position, they even go, up to, they even go out to court and they find themselves in, in court and, and then they turn around and they're the ones that, have to pay all the fees, and they're the ones that end up wrong. And they thought they were dead right. Well, they're dead wrong. And they look like a fool. And he's saying, don't involve a third party unless it's absolutely necessary. And even if it comes to this issue of litigation, we know amongst believers, we ought to be able to resolve our problems. We ought to be able to resolve our problems. We ought to be able to resolve our problems. Sadly enough today, we don't put a whole lot of stock in our Christianity, let alone the Word of God. So the fact is, is that we're going to go right to the world like most of them do most of the time. Instead of being defrauded, instead of losing out on a few bucks, instead of losing out on a piece of property, instead of being uh, treated a little bit ill, instead of taking it on the chin, we're going to go ahead and make sure we get ours. That's not the way we ought to be as believers. There's not a, piece of, there's not a bit of money in the world that's worth giving Jesus a black eye over. Now again, I'm not talking about if you've been missing. Uh, you've been lied to, you've been deceived by some corporation or company. I don't care how Christian they say they are, they're still a corporation. They're a separate entity. They're not a, they're not a Christian. But listen, if you get somebody and you're dealing with one of these people in this church and all of a sudden they wrong you, you don't go to court over that. You deal with that. I'm not talking about if there's an issue with child molestation or some kind of issue. I'm not talking about that stuff. I'm talking about issues where you've been defrauded financially or there's been some kind of deception there, illegal type of issue going on. Not illegal, but something going on where you just don't agree with them and they don't agree with you and you don't, they, they, they borrowed your mower and they wrecked it and now they won't pay for it. I'm taking you to court. I'm eating the mower. And that's what Solomon's saying. At least go to them first before you lose your cool. At least go to them and try to work it all out. And there are things, ways to handle that otherwise. You don't have to go to court over those things, but, but there are ways to handle those things. We've lost sight, really, a lot of times of what the Bible teaches. We really have. I mean, we, we kind of, you know, we live in a world where our rights are more important than anything else in the world. But truthfully, as believers, we have to be careful we don't get too, uh, too arrogant about who we are, what we're about, and realize that, you know what, Jesus suffered a little bit. We can, too. We'll be all right. He'll help us. He'll give us grace. So be careful what you do there in those areas. You know, Brother Don, he's going to, you know, get over on me. I'm not taking him to court. I'll just take him out back. (laughs) I don't think I'd want to do that, actually. But anyway, (laughs) 
I've seen him work. I know better. He'd slam me against the wall like he did those trees that day. He took them all. Anyway, I'm going to get off that subject. Man, he's a man's man, let me tell you that. But anyway, so it, it works out. So he's saying we've got to be careful. Now listen, we're going to have misunderstandings. That's the bottom line. And that's what Solomon's addressing. He knows that we're going to have problems. He knows we're not always going to agree with one another. He realizes and recognizes the idea that there's going to be some conflict along the way. Misunderstandings. So he's saying, now listen, be real careful. Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself. How many times have we involved somebody else in a situation only to regret it later? We've got to be careful. There are times to do that, but it is not usually, that's normally the exception to the rule. He goes on, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame and thine infamy to, uh, be turned away. Excuse me, infamy turned not away. So we're going to have some issues. Romans 12, 18 says, If it be possible, as much as life, then you live peaceably with all men. Do your best to live peaceably. I got a problem with one of these brothers. They, they said something, did something to me, or, or I felt that they did something wrong to my family, or one of the teachers didn't treat my child right in Sunday school. Listen, I'm not going to sister so-and-so or brother so-and-so and saying, Did you hear what they did to my kid? No, I'm going to them. That's what he's talking about. He says, Don't do that. Why are you going to do that? Why are you going to make a, a, probably a molehill a mountain? Why do we do that? Or a, a molehill a mountain? Well, I didn't want to say it that way. I just said it that way. Thank you, sister. See, that wasn't the Holy Spirit speaking. That was her. <laughs> okay, a mountain out of a molehill. So you're right. Okay, big deal. Get over yourself. <laughs> That is what you're supposed to say. And I, can't, I didn't have it right. You're right. I was trying to figure it out. I just said the best I could. <laughs> Proverbs, so Proverbs 25, 9 and 10 says, Debate thy cause with thy neighbor himself, and discover not a secret to another, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. So let's consider some thoughts about resolving conflict. We see biblically there's a, a real basis, a real simple basis for the passage. And, and Solomon was... The Bible says the wisest man that ever lived. We know he made some grave errors in his life. But he certainly gets the endorsement of the Lord Jesus Christ. So we'll go ahead and give him the benefit of the doubt, right? I think I'll go ahead and just pass the, uh, uh, the, the title to him since Jesus gave it to him. He's certainly a wise man, and what he's saying here makes a lot of sense. We'd be wise to heed his advice. And so let's go ahead and consider some thoughts about resolving conflict. So before we do that, let's have a quick word of prayer, and I'm going to give you a couple of things as time dwindles quickly. Father, we come to you. Lord, we thank you for this time together. Speak to our hearts. Help us to be very practical tonight. And Lord, be glorified in everything that's said and done here. Lord, you deserve the glory. You deserve the honor. You're worthy of it. In Christ's name, amen. Now, first of all, when you're dealing with conflict, some matters are insignificant, and they're not worth the time we spend thinking about them. They're just insignificant. They're not worth the time we spend. And uh, Curtis Hudson, in his book, Some Things I've Learned, he uh, quotes from another great leader, a leader by the name of General George Patton. George Patton made this statement. He said, never fight a battle where nothing is accomplished by the victory. Never fight a battle where nothing is accomplished by the victory. And we could say, like, for instance, maybe a husband and wife, they're arguing over, you know, who set the, you know, the glass on the coffee table. You know, you should have had a coaster under it. It didn't have a coaster. The coffee table got wet. And, you know, who, who, who put that there? I didn't put it there. I, yes, you did. You had to because I didn't put it there. No, I didn't put it there. No, remember you after dinner, you walked out here with a cup and you sat it down there? 
No, I didn't set it down there. I'm telling you, I didn't set it down there. It had to be you. You're losing your mind, just like always. And, and before it's over with, it's turning into a big old blow-up battle. We're fighting over who decide, who ended up putting that cup, that coffee, that cup or coffee cup on the on on that that table. And, and and when it's all said and done, the truth is, is this: nobody really wins. Oh, you won, all right. Oh, I've showed her. Oh, you're right, you jerk. But you think you won? No, you didn't win. You just lost too, Buster. Let me tell you what. It's cold out there tonight. You lost. You lost. Everybody loses. And you know, there's some battles just aren't worth fighting. And you know, when it comes to conflict, don't fight a battle that nothing's gained. I think George Patton was right on the money. Never fight a battle where nothing is accomplished by the victory. In 2 Timothy chapter, two, uh, chapter 4, verse 7, we see the Apostle Paul. He's facing, of course, uh, his execution. And he says, I fought a good fight. I fought a good fight, he says. He didn't mean that he fought well. You say, well, why not? Well, because that's not for him to say. See, the only one that can tell us whether or not we fought a good, whether we fought well or not, is really the judge of all the earth. That's Jesus Christ, the Master. He decides whether we truly did or didn't fight well. But what I do believe Paul's really saying is, you know what? The cause which I did fight was a worthy cause. It was a good one. I fought a good fight. It was worth fighting. And you want to know something? Those are the kind of battles you and I ought to fight. Battles that are worth fighting. In Christianity, we have gotten sidetracked many times in our, our churches on issues that are just simply side issues that should not take precedence. We've gotten sidetracked. We need to fight a good fight. We need to fight fights that are worth fighting. That when it's all said and done, years ago, my dad used to say, if you're going to get in a fight, son, you better be willing to go to jail. If it's not worth going to jail over, don't get in the fight. And you know what? That, that's the reality because when stuff happens, it happens. And then he used to say crazy stuff. Stuff like, you know, if it's not worth dying for, you don't fight. I'm like, what are you talking about? What, you've heard of stories where people have lost their lives in a fight, fell, hit their head on the sidewalk, or possibly whatever took place. And then here's somebody going to, to, to jail for, for uh, manslaughter, and they never intended to kill anybody, but it happened in the midst of that. And my dad used to say, if you're not willing, you're not willing not only to go to jail, but possibly, you know, uh, uh, give your life, then if it's not worth dying for, then don't fight it. And that says, believers, if it's not worth giving our life for, then we shouldn't be wasting our time. We have an eternity to, to, to look forward to. There's, there's things that are worth fighting that will last on into eternity. So some matters are insignificant and aren't worth the time we spend thinking about them. Number two, though, some matters just require attention. There are some that need some attention. When it comes to conflict, it's amazing to me today how few people are willing to address issues. We're so, we're so timid and shy about some things, but yet we're so bold about others. We're bold about sin, and we're bold about our lifestyle. We're bold about doing what we want to do. We're bold about posting on Facebook. We're bold about telling everybody where we went, what we did, who we did it with, and how we dressed, how we lived, how we thought, and what we drank, what we did. We don't care if anybody likes it or not. We're going to post it. We're bold. We're ourselves. We're our own person. Then it comes to a conflict you're having. Oh, I could never. I, I don't like conflict. I don't want to face nobody. I don't want to confront somebody. But that's biblical. The other stuff isn't. 
That's, we're so bold in our sin and our self. It's so easy to tell people what we think about our president. It's so easy to think about what we think about, about this or about that. Well, what about conflict in our lives? You got a problem with your wife or your husband? Why don't you say something? Why don't you talk to them? You better deal with it. You better confront them. There are some things that do need attention. You got a problem with one of your children? You better deal with it. You got to talk to them. You got to bring it to their attention. Some things need attention. It doesn't go away on its own. You don't just bury your head in the sand. Things don't just disappear. You got a problem with somebody in the church? Instead of just stewing over it all the time, instead of just going around going, oh, I don't think they understand what I'm dealing with. They don't understand where I'm at. And they, they, they always assume it's always, it's always about them. So why don't you go talk to them and see where they're really at? Understand what they're thinking a little bit. Maybe if you saw their side, you might be able to say, wow, you know what? I didn't realize you were thinking that. I thought you were thinking this. And no problem. Everything just goes back to normal. Hey, that's cool. We're friends. <laughs> we both have the same desires. We both want to love our families. We both want to love God. We both want to love the church. We both want to serve Jesus. I thought for some reason you were my enemy. They weren't your enemy at all. Deal with it. Just deal with it. A matter significant enough that you feel compelled to discuss it with others is one you need to deal with. If you need to discuss it with others, then you need to deal with it. Don't discuss it with others before you discuss it with the person that you have the problem with. That's what Solomon's trying to teach us. And not only that, but a matter significant enough that you find yourself thinking about it regularly is one that you need to deal with. I can't get this off my mind. I just wonder, I just keep thinking about this. Deal with it. Don't think it's just going to go, it won't just go, well, I'm asking the Lord to take it away. Why when in the Bible he told you how to handle it? You're praying for something you don't need to pray for. He told you, go to them. Deal with the matter between you and your neighbor yourself. You don't even need to include God yet. Go to him before you deal with God. God already told you how to handle it. God, what should I do about it? What do you mean, what should you do about it? Go to them. Go to them. That's how you handle it. You go to them. Number three, not only do we see here in the passage, some matters are significant and aren't worth the time we spend thinking about them. And some matters just require attention. Most matters are simply misunderstandings. Most matters are misunderstandings. It was in the 1960s, uh, and as the 60s came to a conclusion, in San Francisco, there was a district that kind of reverted to the high-rent district. A lot of the so-called hippies moved down the coast to Santa Cruz. They had their children. They got married. They, They didn't name their kids. Melissa or Brent. They started naming their children different kind of names. You know, the mountain people, Santa Cruz, kind of grew accustomed to those children's names. You know, names like, my child's playing with Frisbee today. Not a Frisbee, but Frisbee. And little time warp came over this afternoon. Spring fever's doing very well today. And eventually there were names like, oh, Moonbeam, and oh, Earth, it's so good to have you over today. Hey, love, what's up? And... And precious promise, we're so glad you could show up today. Those kind of children with those kind of names ended up in the public school. And uh, when the kindergarten teachers first met Fruit Stand, it, it, you know, everything, it was kind of crazy, you know. And, and, and you know, and, and, and every fall, according to tradition, the parents, you know, they would, they would put a, 
a name tag on their child, you know, and, and they, would, they would kiss them goodbye and send them off to school to the bus. So that was the same, you know, that's how it was for fruit stand. And so the teachers thought that the boy's name was kind of odd. You know, that's a crazy name, fruit stand. But they did their best to try to understand it. And so, hey, would you like to play with the blocks, fruit stand? Hey, fruit stand, how about a snack? Does that sound good, fruit stand? He would hesitantly accept them, you know, okay. By the end of the day, his name didn't seem much odder than Heather's or Sunray's. It didn't matter. I mean, it's just children. They can't help their names. And it came time to dismiss, so the teachers, they let all the children out. And the children were headed out to the buses. And fruit stand, they said, hey, fruit stand, uh, do you know which bus is yours? He didn't even answer. He wasn't even, he didn't seem to be paying any attention at all. And that seemed, that wasn't really strange. I mean, little children like that, new to the school system, you know, riding new buses and all that. That was kind of normal. But it didn't seem that he had answered all day, actually. Lots of the kids are shy, right? I mean, first day of school and all. And so he didn't answer. So the teachers had instructed the parents to write not only the name on the, that, that particular name tag, but also on the other side to, to write the bus stop or the bus that they would be on. The te- teacher certainly just simply turned over the tag and there would be the, the bus that they would ride, you know. There neatly printed on the other side of fruit stands was Anthony. So his name was actually Anthony. <laughs> they kept calling him Fruit Stand because that was actually where he caught the bus at the Fruit Stand. <laughs> you get it? His name was never Fruit Stand. It was Anthony. But they didn't get it. You know what? If we would practice listening, most understandings would simply fade away. For the whole day, all they did was talk. All the whole day, all they did is give answers. And, and you understand that with children, obviously, in school. But the truth is that there's so many things that we never get because we don't really listen. You know that most of the misunderstandings, most of the, the conflict that we have in our life are, are based on misunderstanding? There's so much that's based on a misunderstanding. We need to be careful to listen. I've said before, but let me just quote him again. Edgar Watson Howe once joked, No man would listen to you talk if he didn't know it was his turn next. And there's a lot of truth to that. We're just so busy trying to figure out what we're going to say that we don't even really listen to what's being said. You know, you and I cannot possibly influence people if we're not listening to them. We have to understand people. We have to know people. Lyndon B. Johnson was a junior senator from Texas. He kept a sign on his wall, and that sign read, You ain't learning nothing when you're doing all the talking. Woodrow Wilson, the 28th American president, once said, The ear of the, of the leader must ring with the voices of the people. So the ability and the skill of listening is important. It's, it's key to gaining influence with people and ultimately avoiding conflict even. So most matters are simply misunderstandings. We have to be very careful that we're listening to people. How often do we assume... We just assume we know something. And when we assume things, it creates conflict. I want to encourage you to listen to people. To give people the benefit of the doubt. Years ago, when I was just a kid, I just told the story in the singles class. but And, I, and I, I've told it probably in church a number of times, I would imagine, through the years. But 
I remember years ago as we were driving uh, down the road, my parents uh, in the front seat yelled back and said, Mark, crack the window. And I said, okay. And I started pounding on that window with all my strength, all my heart. I did my best to crack that window. They said, what are you doing? Cracking the window? No, roll it down a bit. Crack the window, roll it down just a little bit. I didn't think nothing of it. And not only that, but when I grew up, you'd, you'd, you'd wash clothes and you'd throw them in a dryer. You didn't have all those, all those little little things that they throw in them now. I don't know what those are. I, I stopped doing laundry about a year ago when the kids all grew up. <laughs> you don't believe that, do you? But anyway, uh, so anyway, nonetheless, uh, those things, you put them in and, and, and it takes all the static out, right? Well, that's not how it used to be. Years ago, when you pulled the, the, the clothes out of the, the, the dryer, you had to separate the clothes. You want to know why? They all stuck together. And as you, if, you, if you turned the lights out and you started pulling them apart, you'd have like a little light show. You know? Little crackles of lightning, you know? My mom said one day, she said, Mark, I want you to tear the clothes apart. Got it. <laughs> I started doing, what are you doing? I'm tearing the clothes, Mom, just like you said. No, you pull them apart. You don't tear them. I thought you said tear them. Misunderstandings. Misunderstandings. Okay, you got to be careful with that. And then number four, simply go directly to the other party involved. Go directly to the other party involved. Again, it's already been addressed. Solomon deals with it perfectly fine. He just simply says, listen, you, you got a matter between you and another person? Go to them. Don't involve others in the, uh, the conflict. Don't get other people involved. Don't do that. And, you know, that's the theme of the book of Matthew in chapter 15, 18, verse 15, when it says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his fault between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. I have never appreciated when people come to me and say, Pastor, I've got a problem with this brother, and uh, I, you, I just, you, you, I, you, and I go, whoa, 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 you're coming to me. Let me ask you a simple question. Have you gone to them personally? Well, you know, I, no, I mean, I, that's what I'm saying. I just know it's going to turn out bad. I said, well, what's the Bible say? Let's turn to the Bible and see. Yeah, come on. Because honestly, you're wasting my time right now. Because you haven't followed the Word of God. You need to go to them. So don't come back to me with that until you've gone to them and don't what you're supposed to do. Listen to me. I'm not trying to be mean or nasty, but how many times have we tried to virtually pass our responsibility on to other people? I'd rather the pastor deal with that. Sorry, your pastor's not stupid enough to get involved in that. I don't get in the middle of people's problems. I don't do things like that. I get in the middle of church problems. You've got a problem with somebody at Community Baptist Temple, you deal with it. You handle it. You go to them like a man or a woman. You talk to them as an individual. You show them mutual respect. You face them like a person and you say, listen, I believe there might be a misunderstanding here. Not, I know you're wrong. No, don't do that. You may be wrong and you may, you may have egg on your face in the end. You go to them humbly and you say, listen, 
Listen, we're brothers in Christ. I don't want there to be any conflict. And I'll be honest with you. I heard that you said this to my son or daughter. I heard you did this to my child. Or I heard you said this to my wife. Or I heard you did this. Whatever it might be, address it. Deal with it. And you know what you'll find? A lot of times it's a misunderstanding. And it can be resolved and handled because there's no better way to deal with it than that one right there, the Word of God. Listen, I, I, I'm, all, I'm all for stepping in when it's necessary, but not until everyone's done their part. Once everybody's done their part, according to the Word of God, then I guess it's time for me to do my part. Now, years ago I made a statement, and I think it's still true today. I said, do not share your problems with people who are not part of the solution. I, I, I made that statement years ago. And I, I even put it on my wall in my room. I thought it was the best thing I've ever come up with in my life. Until the last ten years of everything I've said. No, I'm teasing. But anyway, I, I put that on my wall. I thought, this is so unbelievable. But I want you to hear what... what you say, oh, you think... Yeah, the, whatever. The Lord gave it to me, whatever you want to say. But honestly, this came to my mind. I dealt with people all my life. It's what I do. And I got to thinking, we share our problems with all these people, and the truth is it never helps us. So all we're really doing is just unloading constantly. We're accomplishing absolutely nothing, mind you, except involving people that don't really need our burden. And we're just, we just feel better for a few minutes until then we go, man, I almost wish I wouldn't have told them. And then they tell somebody else, and then they tell somebody else, and nothing gets resolved. And in the end, the problem is, is that when it's all said and done, lest he that heareth it put thee to shame, and thine infamy turn not away. We end up including other people that don't need included. And they can't help us. So here's my, my advice to everybody. Do not share your problem with people who can't fix it for you or help you fix it. doesn't do any good to do that. There are enough people that could help you. Hopefully your pastor could help you. Hopefully there's a good, possibly you have a really good friend that you can trust to keep their, 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 their tongue silenced and that they have some wisdom in some areas of the scriptures. But listen, don't just tell people, you know what, I just got this problem with my wife. She's just driving me batty. Okay, how, how am I going to help you with that? No, you can tell me I might be able to help you with that. I'd probably tell you to go talk to her first. I'm not going to. I tell you that much. Not until you do. <laughs> I guarantee you that. I'd have somebody go. Could you go talk to my husband, please? No. Have you? <laughs> I want you to talk to him. You, by the way, can I tell you? Let me give you a little. Let you in on a little secret about things. People that don't want me to talk to them, that don't come to me, don't want me to talk to them. I can't help people that don't want to talk to me. I, I usually waste my time on those situations. It's almost 90% of the time it's a waste of time. You come to me and say, can you go talk to so-and-so for me? I say, Have you? yeah, I've talked to them. Can you talk to them? Well, do they want to talk to me? No, they said they don't want to talk to you. All right. They don't want to talk to me. I mean, I'm, I'm probably not going to talk to them. Unless it's something that's putting your children in danger. I'm not talking to them. I'm probably not going to talk to them. I don't get in the middle of people's problems. I deal with things. If it's going to affect the church, then I'll, deal, I'll address it. I'll deal with it. 
because I have to protect this. I'm not responsible for your family, gentlemen. I, I'm not. I, I do not answer for your home. You got conflict in your home, you deal with it. You face it like a man. You stand up and you deal with it from a biblical perspective. You want counsel on how to do that? You come to me. I'll help you with that. I will help you with that. But this is not, Pastor, fix my home. I can't fix your home. God didn't put me in charge of your home. He put you in charge of your home. You got to deal with your home. Ladies, I feel sorry for some of you. Your husbands won't deal with problems in your home. Leaves you in a real tough spot. Real bad spot. I got, I got to move on because we're, we're done. We've got to close this out. So go directly to the other party, though. Don't get, in the, don't get in the middle of people's problems. Do yourself a favor. You can help people, but not until they've helped themselves. If they've tried to help themselves, then you might be able to help somebody. I know that sounds a little rough. You say, well, pastors, that's your job to help people. It is, but I'm not stupid enough to believe I can help somebody that don't want my help. I, I know better. I've learned my lesson along the way. I've stepped in numbers of times, continue to try to help people so often when I shouldn't probably because I just got a heart for people. But the problem is I know how that usually ends too. I know how it usually ends. Finally, last, when you breach this command, it produces serious consequences. Solomon addresses those consequences. It's important to realize what those consequences are. When we fail to go to people directly, when we include other people in problems and conflicts that we have, it there's a negative response. It's a bad thing. First, there's great humiliation. He goes on to say, put thee to shame. As we said already earlier, when we talked about the definition, we said that basically that that, that simply means this. It, it means to, um, oh my, my mind just went totally blank. But it means to, um, I'll find it in a second, but this is where the glasses really give me a problem. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> It means to disgrace, to disgrace. And, and so I'm telling you what, it's a disgrace. There's great disgrace when we start to neglect God's word and don't do things God's way. See, you can be labeled at that point. You, you end up being the one that's the betrayer now. Um, people will look at you with shame. And let me give you an example of how this works, even. I'm just going to jump because we've got to close right now. But let's just say that you and your wife are having a problem. Okay, and, and so, ma'am, you're, you're upset with him. And he has not treated you right. He's been wrong. And so then you go around and you tell your friend, this guy, he is a monster. This guy doesn't care what I think. This guy doesn't have any concern for me or the kids at all. He's so selfish. It's all about him. And then all of a sudden, a week later, you're back with him. You know what happens? Your friend goes, what an idiot. Back with that loser. I'd have dumped, dropped him like a hot rock. I'd have had nothing to do with him after everything she said about him. He isn't worth the air he breathes. You know who ends up looking bad? Not just your husband now, but you. You've got to be careful. Don't go sharing all this stuff with people. Well, you'll be the one that looks bad. You'll be the one that's humiliated. You're the one that'll have an egg on your face. Then everybody's looking at you going, oh, wow. I can't even believe she took him back after that. Be careful what you share. Be careful. And do not blow things up and make 
mountains out of molehills. <laughs> Glad I got that one figured out. So what do we learn from our passage? Real simply, what do we learn about resolving conflict just tonight, real quickly? We learn some matters are insignificant. They're not worth the time we spend thinking about them. We understand that some matters require attention. You've just got to face them. You've got to deal with them. Don't bury your head in the sand. Most matters are simply misunderstandings. Always go into a conflict saying, you know what, there's probably a misunderstanding. I'm not going to assume the worst of them. I'm just going to assume they didn't understand. And sometimes you'll walk away, most of the times you'll walk away happy. Sometimes you'll walk away going, oh man, I guess I was right the first time. No, but anyway. <clears throat> Number four, go directly to the other party involved. Always go directly to them. Deal with it. Try to resolve it before you include, don't include other people. That's a last resort, and that's only if it's necessary at all. Be careful with that. And then finally, if you don't do these things, if you breach that command, it's going to have some serious consequences. Humiliation. And it could even damage your reputation. People don't want to hang around somebody they can't trust to keep a secret. They don't want to be around that. By the way, I'd encourage you, if you have a friend in this church, Community Baptist Temple, and they tell people things you tell them in private, stop being their friend. I don't care how Christian you want to be, stop it. You're, you're wasting your time. You just say to them, I can't trust you. Every time I tell you something, I find out somebody else found out about it. I want nothing to do with you. Amen. I'm sorry, I cannot entrust you with nothing. Well, you and I have nothing in common. How can two walk together except they be agreed? I can't even trust you to keep your mouth shut, let alone Come tell on. you anything that helped me out in any way. Amen. I'm sorry, but you know what? This, this guise of Christianity, sometimes we get the idea that we're not allowed to be human. And you know what? The Bible teaches that you can't trust somebody like that. They can't be your friend because you can't build friendships on lies, on deception. If you're going to be a friend, then you be a friend. If you aren't, then be honest and say, listen, I just want you to know, if you tell me anything, I'm going to tell other people. Now, if you still want to be my friend, we'll go forward. Be honest with them. At least be honest. I know. You say, that's not how you're supposed to talk in the pulpit. That's not how it's supposed to be. I don't know about you, but... I don't really want to hang around people that I can't trust. I don't. I don't even want to, I don't want to hang around them. Now listen, I'll love on them. I'll treat them with respect when it's face to face. But listen, I ain't going to share nothing with them. I don't want to know my business. Go directly to people. Let's deal with our problems. Most of them are just simply misunderstandings. Simply misunderstandings. Father, we come to you. We thank you again for just the simplicity of your word and Lord, help us to apply your principles practically. Lord, sometimes we get the idea that everything's just so 